Good morning and welcome to Cultivate Church Online. We're so happy that you're tuning in this morning. This is your very first time with us. We are truly honored that you chose to spend your time with us this morning. We have a great day planned for you. So let's get up, let's turn up the volume, and let's worship together. Good morning. Welcome to Church Online. Man, I'm so glad you're here with us today. If you're a guest, maybe this is your first time tuning in with us Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Maybe let us know who you are in the comments. We can't wait to see people face-to-face at one of our campuses soon, but we're honored that you're tuning in with us here today. I want to remind you, next week we kick off a brand new series, and this week is a standalone day. If you've got your notes, go ahead and pull those out or pull those up on your screen or wherever you are. Today's message is titled, Victory in Jesus. Come on, maybe you remember that old school song. I remember it growing up in church. We used to sing it often. It's an old song we used to sing almost every week, talking about the victory that Jesus brings in our life. My Savior forever. I remember the the words, and I want to read a passage of Scripture to you, and I want to talk to you you today through four points out of Mark chapter 4 and 5. And here's the passage of Scripture out of Romans that's going to set this up for us. In Romans eleven thirty six, 36, it says, For everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. He's telling us, it's reminding us that we exist. We're taking a breath. Maybe you're in your house today or riding down the road or wherever you are. You can just do this with me. Just take a deep breath. Like if we're breathing, our ultimate purpose in life is to bring glory to God. Everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. And there's a reality that has settled in my life as I've grown in my faith that I've learned over over the years, the only victory I'll ever find in my life comes from Jesus. The only thing, the only time I ever overcome things in my life is because Jesus was at the center of it all. I've learned this, that the world cannot give what it doesn't possess. The world doesn't have victory over anything. At best, it can only provide a counterfeit answer to every problem. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In the, uh, in the book of Mark, there's a theme going throughout the whole book of the gospel of Mark, and it's the identity of Jesus. Everything that you see him do from chapter one, really all the way through, is him proving who he is to his followers. From the beginning, you see Jesus doing many works and his disciples seeing them. Think about this, being face-to-face, physical presence with Jesus, seeing him in person perform all of the miracles and all of the works and teaching all of the things that he taught and still being confused with who he was. Maybe you can write this question down and think about it this week. Who is Jesus to me? Come on, if we're honest today, for many of us tuning in, it's Jesus is this genie in a bottle that we call on when things go south in life. Or maybe he's my savior, but he's not my Lord. We want the benefits of Jesus without submitting to the teachings of Jesus. We want heaven, but we're really not all into doing the things that's going to get us there, submitting our lives completely, fully to Jesus. Ultimately, we see in the gospel of Mark that Jesus is this, a victorious Savior. I want to show you today how that's true for us even in our walks of life 
today. So we're going to start, I'll talk to you through Mark chapter 4. You can begin in the very beginning of that chapter. He talks about four kind of famous teachings. Parables is what the Bible calls them. It says that Jesus always taught in parables. He talked about the sower, the parable of the sower, the parable of the lamp, and then the parable of the seed on the ground. And then he talked about the mustard seed. If you've grown up in church at any point, you probably have heard at some point say someone say something about these parables. These are famous, famous teachings of Jesus. And really the hope behind all of them, the idea, the big idea is the growing, expanding nature of the kingdom, that our faith should always be growing. So he teaches this. And then the Bible says in Mark chapter four, that very same day, he began to test his disciples. He told his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. Then comes the test, right? He he tests them when Jesus performs four miracles over the course of Mark chapter four. And we're gonna talk about those four miracles today. Would his disciples pass the test? Are we passing the test of our faith? Here's what I know. The answer to every test of life, that every test that life could throw at us, the answer is Jesus. So I wanna pray, and then we're gonna dive in to the four miracles that Jesus performed to test his disciples' faith and to prove that he was a victorious savior that he'd been teaching all along. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word that it's alive and breathing. Today, right now, Holy Spirit, meet us in our homes right where we are. Do what only you can do. And God, we pray life change takes place. God, that we know we've met with your presence and we can live a life on purpose in a way that honors you. Come on, let's say it together. Amen. All right. Jesus gives us, number one, if you're taking notes, victory over danger. Victory over danger. He just told his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake in Mark chapter four, and they get halfway there, and along comes a storm. Now, we know this is a pretty dangerous storm because these guys were fishermen. They had lived their life in these waters. They had seen storms before, but something about this storm had them freaked out. They were scared for their lives. If you read in the text, they go wake Jesus up in the bottom of the boat and and they're freaking out because they're wondering if they're gonna die and how is Jesus sleeping in the middle of a storm? It begs the question, did Jesus know the storm was coming? Come on, was he not worried because he knew what was coming? Of course he did. It was part of the test of their faith. He was with them. Come on, no storm can match Jesus. Nothing's a match for Jesus, right? They were safe. Jesus was going to use this to build their faith. I'm reminded of a story with my daughter teaching her to jump off of uh, a diving board. It took two summers to convince her that she was safe. I was there. Nothing was going to harm her. She was not in danger But in her mind, she was. It took her a long time to be convinced that she was going to be safe and dad was going to protect her. And that's exactly how the disciples were acting in that moment. They knew knew who Jesus was. They'd seen him perform those miracles, but something had them. Fear had them. Danger had gripped them. They were freaked out. Jesus was sleeping and he wanted to reveal something. And this is what he wanted to reveal. This is where your faith stands. Let's see what the text says in Mark chapter four. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Listen to what he said. Then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
The disciples, come on, they even said it. Yeah, I'm scared. They were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other, that even the winds and the waves obey him. This is what I've learned over, my, over the course of my life in my faith, that crisis, danger, fear, it reveals the nature of my heart. It doesn't cause me to act out of character. We've talked about this a couple of times over the last few weeks. It doesn't cause me to act out of character. It reveals. What was Jesus doing in the middle of a storm? He was proving that he was victorious over it, but he was also lifting the veil over their eyes to to reveal where they stood in their faith. Come on, here's a question you can ask yourself. What has this present crisis revealed about your faith? Come on, what's it revealed about your character? What has this present crisis revealed about your attitude? Jesus gives us victory over danger. Come on, do you believe that? It's one thing to say it, that I believe it. It's a whole other thing to be able to sleep in the bottom of the boat in the middle of a storm because you believe it. Come on, Jesus gives us victory over danger. What has this season of life revealed that maybe needs to shift in your heart? in your relationship with the Lord. Number two, if you're taking notes, he gives us victory over demons. Victory over demons. Come on, they get to the other side of the lake safely, only to find a man overcome by demons. Now, I know that in today's society, that sounds kind of crazy. But if heaven is real, and hell is real, and angels are real, and God is real, we know that there is an enemy against our soul. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that there's an There is an enemy, and he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We see in this story three different forces at work right now. We're moving into this. He's he's helping this demoniac. There's three sources. There's Satan. We see Satan taking control. We see society, and we see Jesus. We don't know how the demons took control of these guys, but most theologians seem to believe that it it was because little bit by little bit, they yielded to sin in their lives. Let's put it this way. None of us wake up every, uh, just on a random day and say, today's the day I want to be addicted to pornography. None of us wake up and say, today's the day that I'm going to be completely overcome with alcohol addiction. Or today's the day that I'm choosing that I'm going to be unfaithful to my spouse and it's going to continue over. None, none of us get to that point just by, it's by little bit, by little bit, by little bit, yielding to sin in our lives. And then The reality is it's a slippery slope, and one day we wake up and find ourselves in the condition that we're in. Because they yielded to Satan, the thief, right? Come on, this man, this man had lost everything. He'd lost his home, his fellowship with his families. He'd lost his friends. It had gone so much that we, Satan, had taken so so much control over his life that he had lost everything, even to the point where society had to step in. And the only thing that they could do, because he had gotten to the point where he didn't care if he lived, he didn't care how he acted, he he was losing his mind. And I know this is an extreme example of how the enemy can control our lives, but come on, little bit by little bit, it can get worse every step that we take. And then we see society step in. And what do they do? The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 4 that all that they could think to do was to bind him. So they placed him out of the city, and and he was running wild around uh, around the countryside. And the only thing they could think to do was to bind him up. It was a counterfeit, right? It was a counterfeit answer 
to a problem. They just didn't want him to cause any more trouble with them, with culture, with society, with the town. And then we see Jesus. Let's read what it says. The evil spirits came out of the man, entered the pigs, and entered about 2,000 pigs. They plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town surrounding the countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. Come on, this is society. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. This is the difference between culture and Jesus. You would think that people who knew the story, they knew what was going on, they see this man perfectly sane sitting at the feet of Jesus. You would think, one would think that this is the, the, uh, the, the good ending to a story. You would think that this is insert the celebration and everybody's gonna celebrate that God had rescued this man. But this is the difference between, between culture and Jesus. Those who had seen what had happened told others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Why? Can I tell you that society is less worried about you and they're more worried about what you can offer. And because this man had because the demons in this man had left and they had literally wrecked the local economy with 2,000 pigs dying in the ocean. They were more worried about their local economy than they were about the sanity of this guy, except Jesus set him free. Jesus gives us victory over our demons. Here's the question. What have you been yielding to in your own life that has led you from one thing to another? Come on right now, maybe you can write it down. What's going on in your life right now that's separating you further and further from the presence of God, further and further from your family, further and further from relationships? Come on, when's the last time you've checked in with a small group? When's the last time you've had accountability in your life? When's the last time that you're doing life with people that wanna see God's best for you? Come on, are you yielding? One thing leads to another, that leads to another, that leads to another. I want you to know that Jesus gives us victory over our demons. I don't care what it is that you're battling right now. I don't care what it, whatever temptation the Lord, the enemy has placed in your life. I want you to know the Lord is victorious over it. He's already victorious over it. And he's never placed us, will never be placed in something that through him, we can't overcome. He gives us victory over the things that we're battling. Number three, if you're taking notes, he gives us victory over disease. I love this. He goes to the other side of the lake. They asked him to leave, and he goes all the way to the other side of the lake, and there's a crowd waiting on him to return. And it says, a woman in this crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors over the years, and she had spent everything she had to pay them. She had gotten not, she'd not gotten any better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed with her, from her terrible condition. Come on, the woman had a hemorrhage that was apparently incurable and slowly destroying her life. Come on, one can only imagine the pain and emotional pressure that had sapped her strength day after day. When you consider the many disappointments with the doctors and the poverty that it had brought her, you'd wonder how she'd even endured this long, really. 
But there's even another added burden. She's not even supposed to be there. Come on, the law had considered her unclean. The fact that she was even there, she was breaking the law. This was a desperate woman. Come on, what kind of faith did she have? Come on, well, you would have to think that it would be weak. She's tried everything. Maybe you're in a season of your life where you say, I've tried everything. I don't know where to go next. Hers had to be weak. It was timid. She was even superstitious. Really, if you look at the, the story, it wasn't her faith. It was her desperation that made the difference. She was even superstitious. She thought, maybe I just have to touch him. It wasn't even the fact that she had to touch him. She kept saying to herself, encouraging herself, just touch him. Just what else do I have to lose? Here's a good lesson in that. Not everybody has the same degree of faith, but Jesus responds to faith no matter how feeble it might be. Here's what you need to write down. It's not the size of my faith. It's the existence of it. It's the fact that I'm willing to just try one more time. Get up one more time. It's not the size of your faith, it's the existence of it. You can be in the room and still miss Jesus. There was thousands of people around him in that moment. The Bible says it was, they were thronging around him, literally meaning they were pushing him around, but only one was desperate enough to say, what else do I have? to lose. When no one else can, Jesus can. Listen, and when he does it for you, he gives you faith, right? It builds the faith of others around you. What are you struggling with right now? Maybe you're in a position in your own life where you would say, I don't think I have anywhere else to turn. Maybe you can relate to this woman with an issue of blood where you say, I've tried everything and I don't think I can overcome this. I've sold everything I have. I've done everything I know to do. I've gone to the rehabs. I've gone to the counselors. We've had marriage counseling. We've done it all. I've gone to the doctors. I've had the treatment. I'm sick. There's something in me. Can I tell you, Jesus gives us victory over those things in our life. Number four, if you're taking notes, the last thing I'll share with you is he gives us victory over death. I love this because... Jairus is there. If you read the passage in Mark chapter four and five, you see that Jesus came to the other side of the lake and before he'd even met the woman with an issue of blood, Jairus was there, who's an important person, very well-known, very wealthy man in the area. And he asked Jesus to come and heal his daughter because she was sick. And Jesus was on his way when the woman with an issue of blood was healed. What's so significant about that is Jairus was able to witness him do something incredible. He witnessed a miracle. He just witnessed a miracle, and then the worst nightmare came true. Someone came and said, Jairus, don't bother the teacher. Don't bother the master. Your daughter is dead. You see, for the normal everyday person who didn't just witness a miracle, that could be the worst possible news ever. But Jesus told him something simple. Hey, don't worry. Just have faith. Just have faith. He had just witnessed God do something in his life. Now, I'm not naive to think that we aren't, there aren't people tuning in from all over the world that are not in dead seasons in their life. Come on, you've seen God do something in someone else's life. You've seen marriages restored. You've seen people healed. But you, you feel hopeless. You feel as if your situation is dead. Come on, your jobs have ended, and that season's dead. Your marriage 
Hey, I see he's done it for somebody else, but I just don't see how this can be recovered. Maybe this season has highlighted to you just how bad the season is, and it just doesn't feel alive. The Bible says that Jesus told him, don't worry, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. Come on, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. You know the difference between sleeping and dead. People know the difference between sleeping and dead. The people knew the difference between sleeping and dead. The Bible says when Jesus got to the home that he told them that and they laughed at him. Why? Because they know the difference between sleeping and dead. And you do too. You know that your marriage is is on life support. You know that the relationship is no longer alive, that there's no hope apart from a miracle happening. You know that there's no hope in ever getting the job back again. You know the difference between sleeping and death. Listen to what they says. The crowd laughed at him, but this is what's significant. He made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and the three disciples into the room where the girl was laying. Holding her hand, he said to her, little girl, get up. And the Bible says the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. And they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And he told them to give her something to eat. Come on, if you're going to see God do something uh, miraculous in your life, if you're going to see him revive dead things, you got to get rid of the doubters. Come on, there's people in your life right now that are telling you just to give up. Stop talking to people that are telling you to quit or give up. If somebody's telling you to give up, you need to tell them to get out. Maybe there's a thing going on in your life and you know the difference between sleeping and dead and this thing is dead, but I can tell you there's a person in the room, his name is Jesus, and he can revive dead things. And if Jesus says he's sleeping, you just go ahead and believe that it's a sleeping thing that needs to be revived. Surround yourself with people who are hopeful. Can I tell you, the reason he allowed his parents in the room is because there was nobody else in that house who was more hopeful that that little girl would come back to life. You need to surround yourself with people, only people, that if they're in the room, nobody's more hopeful than this situation. Nobody can be more hopeful than these people in your life, that your marriage would be restored, that your resources would be restored, that you'd be healing in your body. That dead thing that you need need Jesus to rise right now. What is it in your life right now? Who are the people you need to go ahead and delete out of your phone? Who are the people you need to go ahead and tell not to leave, to just to leave you alone and not to come back? Because you only need hopeful, faithful people in your life to believe with you that Jesus can raise the dead. Can I tell you, I know the difference between sleeping and death, but Jesus calls dead things back to life. He's a victorious Savior. I want to pray with you right where you are. Maybe you're here today and you're tuning in from wherever it is you're tuning in. And this is your life. Come on, there are situations in your life that are dead. Maybe you're here and there's a sickness that's overcome your body and you don't know what to do. Maybe you're here. Maybe this is a season of your life where maybe you've seen Jesus do it for somebody else, but you just don't think it's a possibility for you. Maybe you need Jesus to give you victory over danger, over fear. Maybe you're struggling with some demons tonight, today, this morning. Maybe you're struggling with some demons and there's some things in your life that you just can't overcome. You've yielded yourself over and over and over and now the enemy has control and you have no self-control. And I tell you today, I want to introduce you to a man named Jesus. Jesus is the answer. 
He's the answer to any problem the world could ever throw at us. And can I, can I maybe interject this idea? Maybe like the woman with the issue of blood, you would find yourself in a moment of desperation that says, I've tried everything else. Why not at least reach out and try Jesus? She did something so controversial. Here's the reality. Had Jesus not healed her that day and somebody found out that she was there, it meant her life. You see, she was willing to risk everything so that maybe Jesus could heal her. You see, the law said she was unclean. If she was there, it meant her life. She was going to be stoned. But Jesus called her out publicly to realize for everyone to see that he can, he can heal our diseases. He can bring dead things back to life. Come on, he can protect us from demons and he, and he, is, a, he is a victorious savior over danger. Right where you are, I want you to know there's a God in heaven that loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm gonna pray with you in just a moment, but I want you to know that he loves you more than you could ever be loved. There's no sin you could have ever committed. There's no, many, there's no thing you could have ever yielded to in your life. There's no demon that has control over you that cannot be demolished at the name of Jesus. The Bible says he came back to life three days later, conquering death, hell, and the grave. He's victorious today, and he can bring victory into your life. So would you pray with me right where you are? Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I confess you as my Lord, and today I'm gonna follow you from this day forward. You are the Lord of my life. Thank you for restoring me. Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe you're here today, and maybe he's your savior. Maybe he is your savior, but maybe He's struggling. You're struggling with him being your Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're, you need Jesus. You need a touch from the Father in your life. Maybe it's a physical sickness. Maybe it's a dead thing in your life. We just call those things that are dead to life in the name of Jesus, not by our power, not by our might, but through the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us. The Bible teaches us it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living inside of us. So Father, we speak healing into sickness. We pray for this virus to be completely eradicated, Father. We pray for jobs to be, uh, uh, for open doors financially for people, Father. We pray uh, for marriages to be restored and relationships to be restored. Lord, that it would be a work of the Holy Spirit and a testimony of your goodness. Today, Jesus, we confess that you are our victorious Savior, and we ask that you get all of the glory out of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if that was you and you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we just want to celebrate with you. The Bible says right now, all heaven has shut down and they're celebrating the decision that you made. Come on, maybe you would be brave enough to put it in the comments or send us a message. Follow the link. There's a digital connect card right there in the links that you can follow to send us that information. We want to send you some information on your next steps in your walk with Jesus. I just want to be the first one to tell you, welcome to the family of God. No greater decision you could have ever made. You're going to be able to walk from this day forward in newness of life. We can't wait to see what God does through you and in you. Well, we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We cannot wait to see you again physically, but until then, I want you to know that God loves you. Come on, the best is yet to come in Jesus' name. What an incredible morning it's been. It's been so much fun connecting with you at Church Online. 
And I want to say, if you made a decision to give your heart or your life to Jesus today, we would love to hear from you. There's an email on the screen, or you can check the link that's in the comments below. We would love to be praying for you this week and the decision you've made. And we would even love to send you some information just to tell you how to take some next steps in your relationship with Jesus. For those of you who are part of Cultivate Church, you know that this next part is something that we do every week and continue in our worship, and that's in our giving. If you're our guest tuning in online for today, this moment is not for you, but there are three easy ways that you can continue to give online. We want you to know that we've been continuously serving and reaching out to our community during this time, and that's because of your generosity. We've been able to reach people who are in need, and we've been able to show the love of Jesus through our generosity. So thank you for being generous and doing that. Just like AT&T used to say back in the day, reach out and touch someone. Maybe not physically, but pick up the phone, make a phone call, send a text message, let somebody know that you're thinking about them this week and that you're praying for them. We need to be together more than any time before because we are truly better together. We love you so much, Cultivate. We're praying for you this week. Hope you have the best week ever, and we'll see you online this week.